Goeiemorgen julle. Um, dit is so voorrag om ons so beelde te wees, so ek, ek wil gaan die volgende sê, en ek prefis altyd hierdie, ek, het, ek is Afrikaans, Pochi, wat beteken ek spreem as Afrikaans het kom, nee. soos Pochi is die heel eerste, as jy nie geweet het nie, hoofstad van Zuid-Afrika. Rarig. Die hele mens in die kaap het maar lang onder die Britte gesikkel, ons het eerste gerebeleer al boe, um, maar ek was negen jaar oud, <coughs> dan gaan ek naar my maat, dan sê ek vir my maai, mam sê, hoor gij, kan jy soblief my Engelse bybel kry, gaan sê, hoekom, dan gaan ek so van net 4 miljoen mense praat Afrikaans, en ek gaan meer mense as dit vernies vertel in dag, um, so van daai ouderom af, dat ek net Engelse bybel gelees, so ek gaan nie eers probeer, om in Afrikaans theologies te raak nie, van ek gaan ook goed sê wat nie waar is nie, so ek my tal baie meng volgens, ek wil vrouw dat my soblief moet vergewe daarvoor, um, my vrou bid ook vir my, en allemaal, maar, ek is rarig opgewonen om volgend die beelde te wees, en bykie met julle te deel, dit is so voorrag om hier te wees, so kom ek, ek gaf myself bid, en dan gaan ek inspring, so Jesus, dankie vir die awesome voorrag, om my woord kan deel volgend, en ek, ek wil hier staan met, ja, hier net met, die vrees van u, Er is nooit net iets wat ons sommer maar net doen om die woord oop te maak hier. Maar heilig gees, ek vraag volgens, sal u met ons hart kom praat en u waarheid kom deponeer. In Jesus naam, Amen. Um, so jylle, om moet gesê, ek wil bykie sê wat ons doen, dis gewoonlik doen ek het nie, maar hy het gesê, gij, by moeder doen, jy moet op om het nie te doen nie. So is altyf een bykie awkward om te praat oor wat jy doen, dis ek weet nie hoe kom jy, maar ek sal maar doen, so Ons het van vaar en vrekenis af, ons het sendings um, basis in Poch gepland, die heren het gesê, ons is so net onder die 70 voltijdse sendelinge wat in Poch is nou, wat nog ons crazy is, ek denk, ja, die heren het raarig iets cools doen, maar ek denk ons 67 nou, en ons doen alles van ons de gebedskamer begin, wat so vier uur elke dag gaan, um, ons het so drie maanden terug, 140.000 bybels na 18 lande, van die 18 is 9 toelande gedistribuut, en ek denk het bereik net so oor die 500.000 mense, um, en die mense wat het als organiseer het, die meisie wat het als ran, sy naam is Jolien, en ek denk sy is 22, um, wat net, goeie, ek sê dit altyd vir mense, mense, jong mense nie moet denk, ek kan het nie doen nie, um, ons is bezig om, ons ran in september die grootste Bible Translation School in die geschiedenis van die wereld, ons doen alles van Crusades in Afrika, tot die DTS, wat ons gedoen het in januari, tot tweede vlak skole, en ons voel raarig die Heer, dat ons het Afrika toe geroep, want het Afrikaners is geroep om pioniers te wees, daar is iets binnen ons, wat geroep is om wil te wees, en elke plek in die wereld waar ek gaan, waar mense nie moet gaan nie, van Syria, tot die Amazone, tot die diepste woestijne, vind ek altyd het Afrikaners, dit is weer, daar is niks anders, behalwe mense van Swede, en het Afrikaners, en ek weet nie hoekom nie, soos daai twee landese mens is altyd daar, en ek geloof, dat die Heere het ons land opgerig, om sendelingen te kan wees na die nasies, want ons is gemakkelijk met complexiteit, complexity does not frighten us, we're not offended by complexity, we have 11 official languages, okay, we understand that, hey, I'm not understanding everything, but I'm okay with it, I believe that is why, God is calling South Africa, to be a missions nation onto the earth, En as iets binnen ons wat hou van bykie moeilik. Ek weet nie hoekom, maar meestal sê die Afrikaners, as dit te makkelijk is, is ons verveeld. 
Ons was een bykie van een challenge. Kom on, Owens. As ons te goed werk, ons uit folk. Okay? So I just believe the reason why God called us to Potch is because he's pioneering and knew who we are. So Potchestroom was the first capital of South Africa, like I told you. So let me tell you something really interesting. The first ever missionaries that came to South Africa were the Moravians. And um, they were amazing people. They were really, really zealous. They would sell themselves into slavery, these missionaries, because that's the only way they could minister to the slaves. So they would sell themselves as slaves so they can minister to the slaves, right? And so that type of person was the first ever missionary that moved to South Africa. That is our Christian DNA. That is our heritage. That is where we come from, right? And so the funny thing is they started this town, this missions base called Genadedal. Okay, it's not far from here. And our, when Nelson Mandela became president, he changed the name of the House of the Presidency, our White House, to Genadedal, naming it after the first ever missions place. So our nation... I feel prophetically is called to be a missional nation. Now, in one sense, I believe it is to the hardest and darkest, to the places it's not been reached. But in another way, I, I believe it's called to the all and the every. Right? It's to every sector of society, all peoples, that nobody will be left out. So that, in short, is what we do. Our job is to create godly chaos and make sure that everybody hears about Jesus. That all being said, this morning, I want to share with you guys... Um, about the Holy Spirit as you guys are starting, and this kom ek sê, gaan Afrikaans en Engels meng, ek is raar gammer, as, sorry, as jy nie TV kyk of e-mail stuur nie, kan jy vir my kwaad wees, maar anders, die worship was ook in Engels, ek gee hulle die skuld. <laughs> so, volgende wil ek met ons deel oor die Heilige Gees, maar kan nog iets cool sê oor Covenant? Sorry, sy het gepraat oor Covenant, ek het gelaf. Ek wil gaan vannig iets cools deel oor. Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham, Right? Genesis 15, 7, he says, and I said um, to him, uh, um, and he said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And he, uh, and he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer. So God told him to bring all these animals, cut them in half, right? That is a sign of a covenant being made, right? So cut all these animals in half. And then what would happen is, to make a covenant, you will walk through these halves, right? And so when you walk through these halves, it is to go like, if I break it, let it be onto me as to these animals. Okay, now, see if you see something funny. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant to Abram, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. Now, what's funny about this? Tell me. Abram never went through it. God went through it. So God was saying to Abram, If, you, if I do not uphold the covenant, let it be on my life. And if you do not uphold the covenant, let it also be on my life. So in the first covenant that God made with Abram, he said to him, I know you will not make it. So I promise you already, I'll give my life to you. That's already when Jesus was promised. God already foreknew that man would never be able to fulfill the right order of things. So from the beginning of the beginning of the beginning, 
That's why when Paul speaks about covenant in Galatians, he says we are the offspring of Abram. We're a type of people that is birthed in the spirit from the place of understanding that I could never make myself righteous before God. That he is the one that passed through. He is the one that says, on my life it is. And then we enter in in faith like Abram entered in that day to say, we will possess the promise that God has for us. Now, why am I talking about this? We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because you need to understand that to know what you get in the Holy Spirit. Is that good? So this is a, a claim to give first smoky. So I, I feel I needed to start in Genesis as I'm quickly, I want to run us through something. And then I feel we need to pray together this morning. I believe God really wants to touch some of you this morning. We read in Genesis, as God created everything, something really interesting happens. God makes everything. How does he make it? I praat, ne? And so as I praat, say, Iwerki, let it lich wees, as lich, mok die dieren, mok die berge, alles. En dit is nogal een crazy gedachte, wat die hart van vol is op die mond van oor. Ok, en kijk gauw rondom jylle. Seriously, jylle blij in George. Ok, dit is unfair, en ek voel eer, eerlijk, eerlijk, ons gaan meer die tunnel rewards hee. Ek blij in poch. Ok, dit is, hier is jemel vir jylle oor, die hele tyd. Ok, so as jylle net soen toe kyk, is die berg daar en alles, nee. En jylle besef dat God het gepraat, en die, die mooi wat in hom was, het al hierdie gemaakt. Maar hierdie is die mooi van die natuur onder die vloek. Dis nie as hoe dit gelijk het, sonder die vloek nie. Just imagine the beauty that came out of God's heart, if it is so beautiful, under the curse of sin. Okay? And so all of the complexity of all of the animals, of all these things, God spoke into being, but then he went and he made Adam... And he did not speak, but he went on his knees and got his hands dirty. And put his hands into the dirt of the earth and made man. That is wild. The one thing he got his hands dirty with is us. And he looked into that piece of clay that was there. And he looked into those eyes and he breathed life. The first thing Adam ever saw when he opened his eyes with those eyes of fire staring back at him. Right? Imagine how awesome that must have been. Is seeing those eyes of loving kindness stare back and go like, wow. They're made like us. Let us make them. And we see then the story progresses. God brings in front of Abram all of the creatures and he sees that there is nobody suitable for him. And that God saw there was not good for man to be alone. So he put man to sleep and out of man he made woman. Right? And so God made man and woman and he decided for them to be together. And after that, Genesis 3, the fall comes and Satan comes and he lies to the woman. And he accuses God for not being trustworthy or good. And she falls for it and, Abram, uh, and Adam falls for it. And all of a sudden, we see one of the wildest, wildest, wildest piece of scriptures. God walks in the cool of the day and um, comes to meet with his friends again. And who of you know that God knew they have committed sin? Okay, we all know that. Okay, God knows everything. 
But here's something very interesting that will change your life if you take some time tonight and tomorrow and then maybe the next week and meditate on this and ask God to reveal truth to you here. God is always like himself. God is always as I is. He's never like anything else. He's not faced by group pressure. He does not become like something else when something happens that is bad. So God walks in the cool of the day in the garden and he does not go like, Adam, Eve, you're evil, you've sinned. He does not partner with the accuser. God walks in the cool of the day and he goes like, Adam, where are you? First time since he's made Adam, that Adam hid away from God. Imagine how painful that must have been. That the father's prized creation that he made with his very hands hides away. And the father never becomes something else. He never becomes angry, never becomes mean, never becomes sarcastic. He goes like, where are you? Adam, buddy, friend, where are you? And Adam goes like, here I am, Lord. We are hiding because we're ashamed. We're naked. And God goes, who told you? Right again, he could have gone like, I saw what you did. You were evil. You listened to Satan. He never did that. God stayed himself and never became the accuser and asked the question to provoke relationship and conversation. Now, it's important for you to get that because my question that I want to throw to you is, how does it sound like the voice that speaks to you when you fall short? Does it sound like the father asking a question to initiate conversation? Or does it sound more like the cues of the brethren telling you how you've missed the mark? So the conversation goes on and then God kills this lamb and there's a foreshadowing of Jesus, right, to cover them. For their shame and their brokenness. And we see from there on humanity spirals down. Humanity that was made in the image of God. Became like the thing that they chose to worship instead. They were meant to be like God. Cultivate the garden and live forever. Instead they became like the enemy. And they started murdering each other. And dying sooner and sooner and sooner. As they carried the price of sin which is death in themselves. And we see throughout all of the Old Testament, all of humanity trying to figure out how can we jippo the system. Who can owns a court pot cry? Okay, God makes the law, we make extra laws. Okay, God says, hey, like, just come up to the mountain. No, Moses, go up the mountain. God goes like, hey, just follow these laws. Don't worship an idol. Moses is still up on the mountain. They make an idol from Egypt and they worship it. All the time in humanity, God says, hey, you'll be led by me. You'll be judged by judges. They go like, no, we want a king. The whole time, humanity over and over and over again. God says, do it this way. We go like, no, we'll do it this way. Kind of is like that Trevor Noah joke. Have you seen it? It says like the whole world goes that way. And then South Africa goes that way. Right? It's kind of like the same idea. As God says, hey, Yala, he's a good richting. Come on, die can't do. And I say, okay, you're a good, but come on, that. And the reason why we're doing it is because the people in the Old Testament, so much like we are when we are not born again, their hearts are set on evil. Their hearts are set on, you cannot buy giving them just the law, produce righteousness in them. It doesn't happen. So as time goes on, I think the father realizes, hey, they're not getting it. So Jesus comes, right, as the representation of what the father is like. 
Humanity misunderstands the Father the whole time. So Jesus comes, Hebrews 1, is the express image, the very radiance of the Father's glory, that we want to know what the Father is like. Jesus comes in the flesh. And this is an awesome, awesome time, that thing that happens. Right? Jesus comes in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. God comes with us. And Jesus comes, so come and show who the Father is. And so alles what you in Jesus see and his personality is just what the Father is. And this is a crazy thing to think as you think how Jesus is going to do it. And how religious people are going to do it. It's a great difference. You see how he's going to do it prostitutes and how he's going to do it religious people. Okay, that's what I'm always bang. Want my werk is om een religious mens te wees. Okay? En ek bid baie. Here help me. Okay, jy het nie van hulle gehou nie. <laughs> help me. We never want to become that. We never want to become those self-righteous. He says that you do not follow the rules yourself and you put things upon other people that you can't even carry. So Jesus comes and he represents the Father and and we see that even when he's coming, they're trying to make him either a political hero, right? That's what they do in the one sense. Hey, you will become king and overthrow Rome. And Jesus doesn't want to play their game. It's like God again is just being God. He's himself, right? He knows he's king, but he's not going to be their king in the way they think. Right? And then they go like, hey, Jesus, you need to play by our religious rules. And he just breaks their religious rule. He goes like, I am not going to be who you want me to be. I will be myself because I define reality. I'm not going to allow humanity to define what I'm like. And Jesus says at some stage, he did not give himself over to them because he knew what was in the heart of man. And we see something else happens as it progresses. Jesus goes and Peter, his buddy, has this amazing revelation, the first person to have it, that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the coming king. He is the anointed one. And he goes like, well done, Peter. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Because every time flesh and blood reveals anything, it goes that way. Clearly, something else told you because it's going in the right direction. So the, he says, the Father told you this. So then Peter, that just had a revelation that the Father told him that Jesus is the Messiah. A few verses later, Jesus tells him, hey, I, I'm going to die. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be crucified. And Peter takes Jesus aside and goes like, hey, Jesus, our idea of being important people in Israel is not going to work if you die on a cross. So can you please not do that and just get to our plan of overthrowing Rome and making us princes? And Jesus' response is way different than any of us, I bet you foresaw. Jesus doesn't go like, hey, Pete, you did well three verses earlier, right? Let's just try again. He goes like, get behind me, Satan. You do not have the things of my father in mind. The response is pretty harsh, right? And the reason why is, is because again, this person has been with Jesus the whole time, is walking in the road of the influence of the enemy, becoming like the thing that Jesus is coming to overthrow. Peter, that was just listening to the father, bringing the truth, again reverts back to listening to the enemy and trying to bring things in a different direction. You see what's happening. And Jesus then goes on just before he dies and makes a startling statement that I honestly would rebel against. I would be like Peter. Here's Jesus for three years. 100% strike rate. 
Okay, elke siek mens, elke blinde mens, elke dooie mens, allemaal word recht waar Jesus is. Okay, Jesus moes sy Lazarus staan op, want hy sy net gesê, staan op, so elke dooie mens in die wereld opgestaan het. Verstaan ons, hy hoef nie, hy het nie vir Lazarus gespeek nie, Jesus het nie soos homself opgewek, en so gaan, ok, ek is nou sterk genoeg, Lazarus word wakker nie, Jesus is die definitie van lewe, dus hy sê, word wakker, sal als wakker word, so hy moes sê Lazarus, so daai Jesus, wat met daai kracht loop, wat hulle nie een keer gesien veilig nie, hy het nie een keer gesien die slimste mens in die wereld, kan hom uitvang nie, daai Jesus, wat perfect is, gaan vir ons hy, julle is beter dat ek weggaan. Nou, wie sal rebelleer teen dit? Ek gaan so, nee, weggaan want toe. Verstaan, dus kom Philip, so gaan hy, where are you going? I want to go with you. If you're going anywhere, right, I want to go. En Jesus gaan so, dis beter dat ek gaan, want iets beter kom as ek. Nou, wat kan beter as Jesus wees? Now, that's my first question I want to pose to you. Do you believe the spirit in you now is better than Jesus was on earth then? Because he believed it. That's why he said it. Or he's a liar. Mm. Okay. Now, after that conversation, Jesus goes and he does what he said he did. He dies on the cross. And after he dies on the cross, he raises up again on the third day and um, who finds him first is actually a lady. And uh, she finds him in John. And the book of John was written primarily to a Jewish crowd. So it was using language to explain to the Jews who Jesus was. And so Mary is in the garden and Jesus just raised from the dead and she's looking everywhere frantically. She doesn't know he raised from the dead in the tomb. And she turns around and she bumps into this man and she goes like, gardener, have you seen him? And he calls her on her name. And when he called her name, she saw it was him. And she realized it was Jesus. Now, purposefully, they wrote that, that she called him gardener. Okay, stick with me. Okay, fast forward a little bit. Let me read this to you. John. John 20, verse 21. It's interesting, Jesus then walks in where all of his disciples are hiding and he has to tell them peace three times. Now you need to know how freaked out they were that Jesus has to say peace three times. Right? Jesus said peace to a storm once and it quieted down. Imagine how freaked out they were that he had to say it three times. And the last time... Something happens, and he says to them, verse 21, And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, the great gardener walks 
through the room, speaks peace to them, and the dead souls that could never have life, that original gardener comes once again, the one that was there with Adam, and for the second time in human history, he blows life into dead beings. Imagine how long the father waited for that day. That is Jesus restoring humanity once again to the privilege that we had in the garden. That is Jesus once again restoring life. That's Jesus once again restoring order and beauty. Restoring hearts according to Ezekiel 36. I will take your heart of stone. I will give you a heart of flesh. And it says, and my spirit, listen, my spirit, say spirit. My spirit will move you to do my decrees. God knew that the heart of man is deceptive. It is deceitful. And is always against the ways of God. It's always against what he wants. And God knew that he had to come and he had to put his very spirit into the hearts of man to change the hardened hearts, to change the rebellious spirit, to have his spirit so that in him we might have life. In him we might have our being. We see here the spirit is given to man right there again and we become new creation. The old is past. The new has come. That's not just a salvation conversation. It is the initiation of the era of the spirit. Of where the once dead humanity was being made alive through the spirit of God once again. This is so important guys. This is why Jesus said it is better that I go. Because all of humanity can become like him then. One Jesus is terrifying. What about a billion? One Jesus caused chaos for Satan. What about a billion? And Jesus was confident in the Spirit's work to make us like him. He was not insecure about that. He is not sitting in heaven right now going like, oh, oh, Hannes Wein. That's not his thought. He is pretty confident in his plan. I've read the end of the book. We win. But what's Kopen Skriemans, Ven? And I want to say this. I know the picture we have. And I've heard people say this, and I get what they're saying. I just disagree with them. Okay? We have freedom to disagree. We still have freedom of speech in South Africa for now. So I can say this. You know, like the analogy of the Holy Spirit is like a dove. I need to walk careful, be aware of him. Who's ever heard that, right? People say that quite a lot, okay? I, I don't agree with that. As far as I read my Bible and my Bible, there's only one man that got a dove. The rest of us got fire. Okay, the rest of us got fire. Have you seen what happens when you try to shake off fire? It burns hotter, right? Another analogy I want to use is that you've seen that Olika Prenkis van Swiss um, there's two spore footer and then there's one, and this is ach lieve Jesus, waar was jy gewees? Toe gaan hy so, oh, ek het nie alleen gelos, en ek het gedra na die tijd. Who's, have you guys seen those pictures? Right? It's cute, right? That's not my story either. 
right? I'm like that person with nail marks being dragged along, right? Like God by His goodness pulling me in the right direction, right? And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the dove. He is promised to be a fire that will baptize us, that will make us into the image of the Father. God in His loving mercy is forcefully making us into the image of His Son. Humanity doesn't just need another pat on the back. We need God to possess us and make us into His image. We need God to completely change us. Lastly, I want to read this. And this is a, a little bit of what the Spirit does in the life of a Christian. And um, I want to, if you can find something in here that you don't need, that's good. But I want to read this to tell you what the Bible says you need the Holy Spirit for. And um, it's a small little list. And uh, I send all the scripture references. So you can, hear, you can read through this if you want to. Paul described the Holy Spirit as a Christian's accompanying joy. Revelation comes through the Spirit. Paul's preaching is accompanied by the power of the Spirit. Prophetic speech and speaking in tongues results directly from speaking by the power of the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> by the Spirit, the Romans are, are to put to death any sinful practices. Paul desires the Ephesians to be strengthened by means of God's Spirit. Believers serve by the Spirit, love by the Spirit, or seal by the Spirit, and walk and live by the Spirit. They, they finally, believers are saved through the washing of the Spirit, whom God poured out upon them. Then the Spirit searches all things, knows the mind of God, teaches the content of the gospel to believers, dwells in among, among and within believers, accomplishes all things, gives life to those who believe, cries out within our hearts, leads us in the ways of God, bears witness with their own spirits, has desires that in opposition to the flesh, helps us in our weakness, intercedes on our behalf, works all things together for ultimate good, strengthens believers in his grief by our sinfulness. Furthermore, the, the fruit of the Spirit's indwelling are the personal attributes of God. So, Frochi, um, what can you do sonder die Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like, there is nothing. That's why, before the Spirit, God was going that way, and then we would go that way. Right? We would try to go that way, right? I would look that way and go like, I'm heading that way, but I'll be heading that way. Right? Because in me, everything is broken to the place where it only heads there. But the moment that I get born again and the Spirit of God takes possession of me, right, I might still be glancing that way, but something is pulling me this way, right? I might be kicking and screaming. My fingers might be in the ground, but something is dragging me in this direction called love, called mercy, called goodness, called kindness, called faithfulness. That's what it means that we have the Spirit of God. It's His Spirit, and half of his name is holy, which means the set apart is different. It's meant to be unto him. So this morning, I want to pray for us. And I want to pray this. The music team can come up. If you know that you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you when I'm done to come forward and we're going to pray for you. Okay? But otherwise than that, I feel like I just want to pray for us as a church. Right? 
just a fresh touch from God. A fresh revelation to know how much we need Him. A fresh revelation to understand that Jesus meant it when He said it's better that He would go. That we would understand that. That's a crazy thought, guys. Do we believe it? He did. And I believe that God wants to mark us in a fresh way. This is the start of a whole series you guys are doing on the Holy Spirit. And I believe God wants to impart in this church a deep revelation of the work of the Holy Spirit. So that it is not just a good idea. That it's not just a charismatic experience. But it is, very, it is the life of God in the midst of His people. Bar, George Barna is this really smart guy that does all these... Um, he does these research papers. And he, and he speaks in this one about what was the secret of the early church. And he said the secret to the success of the early church in their culture lay first with their emphasis of a gospel-centered life. So we've talked about with when we had communion. So the grace is central. The fact that I get now the gerechtigheid van God. That is central to who the early church was. And why they had success. Then it says this. But their success also lay with their experienced life of the Spirit. Who made the work of Christ an effective reality in their lives. Thus making them a radical alternative within their culture. What does that mean? What betekent I? Amal bit eats. My God is not the enigste iets wat you actually can give what they believe. And I do not dare say yes. I do not dare to chill any. I do not dare to turkeys any. I do not dare to say aye vise in you to come in place. And say, Axel, you did mock. So I want to pray for us. I want to say amen. Um, <clears throat> I want to ask you that if you know that you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet, right? You, you've, you've been saved a long time, but there's something of that experience of the life in the Spirit you feel is missing, right? There's not just one baptism, there's many, right? Ephesians commands you to be baptized. You don't have an option. It says, do not get drunk on wine, but be baptized. That is a command. The, 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 the tense, I don't know it's in Afrikaans, but the tense there commands that to happen. And if you're here today, you know, like, man, like, I need a baptism today. Like, I just, I, I, I need God to touch me. I'm going to ask you to come forward. We want to pray for you. There's a ministry team. The ministry team is going to pray for you. But I'm trusting God this, this morning to really touch our hearts in a fresh way. That we would be His people in culture wherever we go. So, Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you that this morning... We get to be with you. That this morning we, we get to meet with you. That this morning your word can strengthen us to go like, praise God, I'm not alone. That he sent me his spirit. He gave me his spirit to move me even when I don't feel in the mood to do it. To love me even when I feel unloved. To give me mercy whenever I had my worst days. Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge your presence in this room. We thank you that you're our best friend.
that we would never be alone because you're here. That we cannot be rejected because you accept us. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you. So I want to ask if, if you need that prayer, can you please come forward right now? Thank you, Jesus. You just come and stand forward. Just close your eyes. Just open your hands. I'm trusting the Lord just to minister to you guys tonight. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Father, we ask this morning, as people are responding, Holy Spirit, you are, you are life. Would you come? The ministry team can come forward and pray. Lord, we just ask this morning for fresh baptisms. Fresh baptisms in Jesus' name. Immerse us, Lord. Just keep receiving wherever you are, even if you're in a seat. Just keep receiving, just keep drinking it in. The word baptism, people are praying. I'm just going to talk and pray while I go. The idea of baptism in the Bible is like the idea of pickling something. There's uh, a komkomer that you put in something and it changes and it becomes something else. It's not just you're dunking it quickly in water. It's, it's immersed in something to actually change what it is like. And so Father, this morning I pray for every person that is here, for every person that has responded God, I pray for this baptism that changes things. That it is a fresh immersion into your power, into your presence, into your nearness, into your love. Father, I ask, would you come and mark these people? Mark them again, Lord. Lord, I thank you that every place of desire, every place of hunger, every place of love that is needed. God, I pray you'll pour it out in Jesus' name. Lord, just from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, would you come this morning and awaken fresh love again? Would you awaken your fire again? Holy Spirit, I just ask this morning, would you break off hopelessness right now in Jesus' name? Would you break off anxiety in Jesus' name? Father, I ask, would you come and break off any distraction in Jesus' name? I feel there's some of you even sitting in the chairs right now that you feel hopeless about somebody you love in your life. It's either a spouse or a child, somebody really close. And I just feel the Lord is saying, allow me to speak hope. If I can speak the mountains, I can speak hope to that situation. So Father, I ask for whoever that person is, that you would speak hope in their hearts. God, we silence the voice of the enemy. That says this person is without hope. That says there's no restoration. Come Holy Spirit, we love you. 
We love you. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge your presence. Can I ask everybody to stand? I just want to pray uh, just a, a blessing over us. And I, I want to ask you where you are in the room. If God is touching you, let him do it. Don't quench it. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Father, we love you. Let's just close our eyes. We're gonna, I want to pray for us, and then we're going to go into some worship. Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person that's in church this morning. And right now, Lord, we're expectant to be met by you. Would you come right now, Father? Would you just come and freshly fill your people again? Would you just come with a fresh infilling of your spirit and your presence? God, impart your life into every area where life is needed. Into every area where love is needed. Would you meet us in this room? You're amazing, Father. You are amazing. We love you. We bless you.